Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm here today with John P. Morgan, one of the most inspiring and creative coaches I know. His vision is a more connected and loving world, which he helps create by challenging leaders to discover a whole and integrative worldview and to embody a radically deep personal integrity. John has been supporting leaders and entrepreneurs around the world since the late 90s, though this work became his profession in 2009. Beyond his one-to-one work, he has been invited to share his ideas and spirit on many stages. We're talking Global Citizens Forum, BBC, TEDx, Yes Group, and many more. Previous to his current work with leaders and post-formal studies in physics and mathematics, John founded a property investing business, and then, from a backpack, he founded a web media company serving local and global nonprofits. He has lived nomadically traveling the world for three years, coached human rights leaders, funded development of a kid's library in Cambodia, published travel writing and photography, performed as a professional magician, studied with Buddhist monks and spiritual teachers, and gone on many other adventures. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kellen. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. John, let's dive right in, because I'm super excited to talk about the project you're currently working on, being an alpha and omega male, and how this translates into becoming a better man. And I'm particularly interested in the romantic relationships aspects of this concept. So the Alpha Omega concept, I mean, you can go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jpmorganjr, and you can watch a few like long five, six, eight minute videos about it to get more in depth. But just briefly, it was inspired by spending time around people that know about wolves and wolf sanctuary and learning about how the alpha wolf and the omega wolf in the pack, there's many, you know, there's the beta wolf, there's other wolves too, but those in particular, the alpha wolf is the wolf that is the obviously pack leader. Everybody's heard of that, alpha wolf, alpha male, you've kind of heard of that before. But the omega wolf is the wolf that's the most vulnerable in the pack. You could say it's the bottom of the pack, quote unquote, or often sometimes because it's just physically the weakest or because it's sick or something like that. And when we look at that through the eyes of competition, we think that's the bottom, like I said, or you know, it's not the place you want to be. But actually, if we consider that the world is there's two sides of the coin, is the side that the world is competition, the other side of the coin is that the world is collaboration, and everything's just working together in this journey of creation. You can look at everything in both ways. There's even some people that have said, I don't know how true it is, but I've read it in a number of places that Darwin didn't put survival of the fittest in his original draft of Origin of the Species, that it was actually in a line that was created by a social philosopher sometime later around creating an argument for capitalism that was rooted in Darwin's theory. Darwin then took the phrase and then put it in a later edition. Then years after that, actually removed the phrase again because he saw that it was a little bit of a bastardization of what he actually meant. Because for Darwin, it was survival of the fittest in the service of evolution. It wasn't survival of the fittest because survival is the point. For Darwin, it was evolution is the point. And I think that's the case. It's like the ultimately we're about it's about evolving and creating. Like men and women come together to create more people, right? Evolution is about creation and survival is in service of that, but creation is the ultimate thing. And so if that's the case, then cooperation is just as much of a thing as competition. There for me there are two sides of the same coin. It's the yin and the yang. And alpha omega is the embodiment of that. The omega is okay, it's from a competition standpoint, it's at the bottom, but from a collaboration standpoint in a wolf pack. Every wolf looks out for the wolf which is more vulnerable than itself, 
and therefore all wolves in the pack look out for the Omega Wolf. Therefore, the Omega Wolf is the nexus point of collaboration in the pack. It's kind of like the, the keystone of collaboration for the whole pack. And you could say it's the alpha of the collaboration side, so the other side, if you inverse the hierarchy. And so if that's the case, then the, we could say, the instead of saying, which wolf am I, it's like, well, what if we're a human being and we're the wolf pack? So as a man, instead of me being an alpha male, what if I was a human being, man, and conscious, and I'm both alpha and omega, and I, those are both aspects of myself. So I have an aspect of myself that is oriented towards collaboration, and I have an aspect of myself that is oriented towards competition. And if that's the case, then how can being both of these in full quantity actually have the most impact on me and my life and have me be the most powerful? And so you asked specifically about in a partnership, so like with my wife, I think of my omega aspect be the aspect of me that's oriented towards collaboration and thus my interest when I'm accessing my omega aspect is in her, not in myself. When I'm in the alpha aspect of myself, I'm interested in myself. It's the competitive side. And so to be interested in my wife and to be able to feel her and what she's feeling and what's going on for her, what's important for her, what she wants is my attention of my omega aspect. And to be concerned with what I want is my alpha. And so having my attention on both of those all the time is, is the goal. Now, how do we make that actually pragmatic? You're probably wondering. There's examples yeah. in my video. But yeah. if you, I can share something here as well. Like, yeah, for example, we, when we got married, I had been a guy, I think I've shared already, that like, it's basically just had dreams and created them, had dreams and created them. And I've just done that perpetually since I was a kid and never stopped. And so meeting my wife and realizing that now my life is going to be entangled into this other person, I basically can't do that anymore. I can't just have a dream and then go live it because I've got this other person that's like living with me and every, th every decision I make is impacting her. Absolutely. And her too. She can't just, she lived her dreams in a lot of ways too. And she can't just keep doing that or I'm going to end up doing something that I don't want to do. And so what do we do? We got really clear that like the only way for us to do this is to, to give up our dreams completely and to dream together. So we had to both scrap everything we saw for our life and go back to go back to ground zero, go back to square one with a blank canvas and just connect at a level of our values and start to dream together. And so that's just a setup for explaining where the alpha omega comes in. And so now, specifically in the, in the context of doing that, in order for me to do that effectively with her, I can't just ask her questions and like, like listen to what she says. And because she's not going to really tell me the truth because she's going to have her own concerns and hesitations or fears or whatever. Of course. And so I need to really feel what it is that she really wants. I need to feel in her heart, in her soul, what it is she really desires. And the only way I'm going to be able to feel that is if I can get myself out of the way. So I ask myself frequently, because I need to remind myself, am I willing to put myself last? Am I willing to give up everything that I want, at least for this next hour, so I can actually hear my wife, feel my wife? Because as long as I whatever, I want to go out, or I want to eat, or I want to have sex, or I want, I want, I want, as long as I have an attention on what I want, which is my alpha, my competitive nature, then there's no way I get to feel her. I can't have, I don't have any access to what it is she really wants when I have my want in the way. And so I remind myself to connect to my omega aspect by asking myself, am I willing, at least for this moment, to go last, to be last, to be omega? And when I am a yes, then there's a space that opens and I can actually feel her and extract the information of what it is she really wants. And so recently we were, I found out that she wants to live in the wine region. She's in the wine industry and her, she would love to live near a winery or maybe work at a winery. And 
And so we took that. I took that information and insight, and I started to use it in the creation. I married it with what I'd love to live in some nature. And we, I took her. I got into my alpha, very structured, competitive mindset. And I was like, okay, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to Santa Barbara all day on Saturday, take you out to a nice dinner. We'll go and check out the neighborhoods. This is all near the wine regions and stuff. We spent a beautiful day checking out these houses in the mountains and informing our vision about what we're going to create next. But the only reason we got there, again, is because I was willing to go last long enough to actually feel what it is she wants. That I was a big that. mouthful. I hope you got it. Yeah, cool. I love the way this concept helps you develop such deep connection to your wife, which reminds me, you've shared a vow that you wrote for your wedding in one of your Alpha Omega videos on YouTube. And I think it summarizes perfectly what you've just said. Please share that vow with us. Yeah, I said a number of vows, but this one was to my wife. I commit to leading you by following the deepest desires of your heart and soul. I commit to leading you by following the deepest desires of your heart and soul, which means I will figure out what your deepest heart and soul desires are using my omega aspect, and I will follow that, whatever that is, I'm going to follow that by leading you, the body of my wife, like who you are in a physical form, to do the things that will get us to that. I'll lead you by following the deepest desires of your heart and soul. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I do too. Every time I reflect on it, it's a nice feeling and it reminds me like how great it is to have a woman in my life who can give me a, a deep sense of purpose. I have worked with couples for several years now. And what I noticed is that usually guys try to understand their partners through cognitive process. And that is why one of the main points of our work together was helping men mirror, validate, and empathize with their partner's emotions. That is why I deeply resonate with what you are saying. Yeah, thank you for saying that. It's interesting to reflect on. Because I guess in a way, it says, am I willing to go last? Is basically saying, am I willing to shut down my cognitive process exactly. so that I can actually feel? Yeah, very cool. Definitely. Okay, John, as we are reaching the second part of the show, I want to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom that will help them on their journey. So mm -hmm. are you ready for the fire round? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? It would be The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. I'm sure people have recommended it on your show before, but it's certainly my go-to because it's, it's the best book that I've found out there that really helps men to understand this thing. That he, David Data talks about similar to the Alpha Omega, but in the, he uses terms like masculine and feminine essence. And to really get the power of slowing down and stillness and consciousness and, and having a deep purpose to be committed to and to really get what it means to be able to feel a woman instead of trying to understand her intellectually because it's, a, it's a, typically a fruitless endeavor. I've read it so many times. I just stood up and I'm standing at my bookshelf looking at the, at the cover. Okay, personal-wise, spiritually moved me. It's given me a framework for being in the world that has been groundbreaking and uplifting. Um, and it's pure wisdom. It's still decades ahead of the level of consciousness of, of society today. And it was written 20 years ago. Definitely, definitely one for the list, guys. Okay, John, before we dive into the next question, I want to briefly touch upon the nice guy syndrome, a concept introduced by Dr. Robert Glover in his best-selling book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. This syndrome represents a belief that if nice guys are good, they will be accepted, loved, and have their needs met. 
Typical behaviors include caretaking, giving to get, avoiding conflicts, hiding mistakes, seeking approval, and pleasing people, especially women. When these behaviors backfire, and this tends to happen more often than not, these men become extremely frustrated. And the question is, where do you think we should draw the line between being a macho jerk and the so-called nice guy? Nowhere. Because it's not a line. I mean, to draw a line between those is to draw a line between two forms of fear. So you don't want to be either of them. To be a nice guy is to be nice because I'm afraid that if I'm not, I'm not going to be liked. And to be a macho jerk is to be a jerk because I'm afraid that if I'm not, then I'm not going to be liked. So neither. Let's pick a different way of being with people that's not that's neither of those because it doesn't come from a place of fear. I don't know what we'd call it, but let's say, well, how about instead of thinking about what I might not get, I can think about what I might be able to give to another person or to a woman, I could say. What can I do for her? How could I create for her? Great point. Great point. And I think it's a trap. I think it's a trap. I think if you're trying to find a line between nice guy and macho jerk, you're fucked. And it's a great marketing angle because you're just going to keep buying more books, but it's a false choice. Neither of them are good options. Definitely. I totally agree with the fact that the extremes are never the solution. It's about finding the balance. All right, John, here's the final question. Please share a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you or he didn't know about being a man in today's world. I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life. One that you will be sure to share with your son. That you can create who you are. My dad is successful, he's worked hard, and he has the opinion that people are the way they are and people don't change and I don't really understand what you do in this thing, but if people are willing to pay you, great. And I love him for that and it's a different way of seeing than I see. And I had to learn elsewhere through other people that who you are is non-static, is dynamic, that can change. And I've dedicated my life to that. I am now that change is easy and change is miraculous and that I can consciously create who I am purposefully, powerfully every single day. I do that for myself and I help others do it. So and that's something that I will be teaching my son throughout his life. I wish my dad would have taught me that. And it's definitely something that I'm trying to teach my children because it's a powerful way to show up and live your life. It is. Thank you. All right. John, before we say goodbye, tell us what projects currently excite you and where can people find you? So I'm excited about everything that I do, which is my group coaching, my one-to-one coaching. Um, I have a group of coaches that I work with for a year, and I do that once a year. I have four spaces sold out six months in advance. I have two spaces remaining. That starts in June this year. I have Creator Syndicate. That's a group of entrepreneurs from around the world. These are both virtual coaching groups. The next one of those starts, I think, in October this year. And small group, six people, intense coaching from me and then the great support between each other. And I'm creating my, you mentioned the Alpha Omega thing. I'm creating an in-person group, my first group for just men. I've always done, you know, men and women, but it's my first group for just men located in person in Los Angeles at my studio on Ocean Ave in Santa Monica. And that will be starting in the next couple of months. And in addition to that, it's my one-to-one coaching. So I only have a few slots. I have only two slots available right now. And it's $150,000 investment for working together closely. So that's how I work. Oh, the groups are $15,000 for the, the group programs, and they're year-long. But all the information can be found on my website, jpmorganjr.com, jpmorganjr.com, and that same 
username is everything social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere pretty much. All right. So be sure to check out John's website, guys. Again, that's jpmorganjr.com and follow him on Facebook at jpmorgancreating and Twitter simply at jpmorganjr. Thanks again for joining us today, John. And guys, till next time, take care.